Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This is a work of fiction that contains adult language, murder, and death that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. This is Everyday Death. Ian had asked me to meet up, especially since some of the symbols at the crime scene had been confusing. It was still fairly early, but clearly Ian had been up for a bit. I decided to just give him a call instead of continuing to text. McGregor, he answered on the third ring. I was suddenly a bit unsure of how to even proceed, but I forced myself to put on a casual tone. Ian, good morning, this is Reese. Are you available to talk? I heard some shuffling coming through the phone. Yeah, now is fine. I wasn't sure what time you were normally up and about on the weekends. It was a little weird trying to make small talk with a person who was essentially a stranger that you had discovered a crime scene with. Well, I opened the shop at 9 to catch some of the breakfast crowds anyway, so not a late sleeper most of the time. You had mentioned wanting to meet up. Did you have a time in mind? Right, the shop, he replied, as if he had forgotten all about it. Um... I had been thinking breakfast, but with you running the shop, I may ask when you've got available today. The joys of adulthood. Nobody can ever find time and schedules for human interaction. Well, we can either do a dinnertime meet, or if that's too late, come by the shop around one or two. It's usually dead then. I winced at my choice of words. Ian either didn't notice or was good enough not to call me on it. I think meeting at the shop around one will work. Thanks for hosting, Reese. Hey, um, how are you holding up? I paused, considering. I, um, I don't know, honestly. I've had some shitty dreams and I've been a little nervous, I think. Listen, that's totally normal. It's totally, absolutely normal. You saw something awful. More deeply than most, honestly. I can't really imagine adding in... There was an awkward pause before he continued. Your talents on top of the rest of it. As long as you and Jewel are careful, you'll be all right. Just keep your phone on you and don't go out alone. I found myself nodding at the phone. Yeah, yeah, I've been taking some precautions. I didn't bring up the additional work done around the house to keep out what I was convinced was some unkind and supernatural entity. Ian may have slipped enough to believe that I had been able to communicate with the dead, but I wasn't going to test the rest of those boundaries. Honestly, I was glad he agreed to come to the shop. I knew the place was warded to the gills and nothing was going to hitchhike in on him. I can't guarantee that kind of certainty in a diner. Into the phone, I wrapped up the call. All right, so I will see you around one o'clock? Give me a call if anything changes. I, I know how it is with your job. You got it, Reese, he replied. See ya. I rubbed my face and checked the time. Better get in the shower and get moving. I stood in the hot water with my mind blank. There was a lot I could have focused on, but I was tired, and I was plenty content to just feel the experience of heat and water pressure. I closed my eyes and leaned back to get the last of the conditioner out of my hair. Apparently, although I was content on the surface to have a blank mind, my subconscious was not as still as I had thought. In a flash, I was seeing a form, head shrouded in dark clouds, somewhere by a tent in the woods. They were wearing a blue jacket with white sleeves and a grey-knit cap, crouched over a fire pit. I would have guessed they were trying to keep warm. I could hear two voices, 
whore, growled the first one. No, shouted another, both coming from the same body. More weakling will waste your flesh. Abruptly, the second voice stopped, and the body stiffened, as a wild animal will when it hears something. Slowly, it turned, as if it would look at me. I wrenched myself back to the present moment, the water having gone cold. My heart was pounding, and I steadied myself against the tiled wall for a moment, trying to calm myself. Breathing like I had just sprinted, I shut the water off and wrapped up myself in a towel, shivering. What the hell? Yanking on my old terry cloth robe, I made my way to my room. I draped the towel immediately over the mirror and proceeded to hurry through dressing. I braided my hair by feel before donning jewelry. I had one piece that was likely seen as a little trendy, a hand of Fatima with a blue, unblinking eye in the center, but honestly I'd rather take my chances it could turn away anything than scoff at it. Checking the time, I shoveled down a bowl of cereal and went downstairs into the dark shop to open up for the day. It was the first time in my own place I felt a little leery of dark spaces. I made my way through the business of the morning. I felt like my smile was forced. Every lull sent my mind spiraling to seeing the body of that girl again, or trying to think about what I had seen in the shower without falling too deeply into it. Had I fallen asleep standing up? Had a nightmare? The downside to having been a practicing medium for as long as I have been meant that lying to myself was no good. I knew exactly where I had been, awake but outside of myself. I shook myself from the space of my thoughts as the door chimed. It was Ian. Startled, I checked the time. Quarter past one. It didn't seem like it should be that late. Shit, I was losing track of time badly today. He smiled, and it was surprisingly genuine. Hey, Reese, I brought some coffee and some pastries, he said, holding up the offerings. I wasn't sure how you took your coffee, so there's some fixins in the bag. Thanks, Ian, I replied, feeling my stomach remind me it was not satisfied with this morning's poor cereal offering. Why don't you come on into the reading room? That will give us some space to go over your notes. Without Frankie, Ian had no hostility towards the space. He did take a good look around and once we were in there. I'm not sure what he expected, probably some kind of mystical den like you would see on television but I think his expectations were a little dashed. He set out the cardboard coffee tray and the food bag and then pulled out a small notebook from his jacket pocket. I have to admit, I think I was a little surprised to see actual paper and a pen and not just his cell phone, but I did have to admit it was safer than worrying over some data breach on a device. Ian waited until I sat before taking the other chair in the room, setting out napkins, coffee creamers, and sugar packets. I could tell he was used to interviewing people, as he steered what could have been a pretty awkward encounter otherwise. Before I show you my notes, let me ask, are you sleeping all right? I know things like that scene can really stick with people. I'm sorry you had to see it, but damn am I glad you were out looking. Honestly, I don't know that we would have found her otherwise. I shrugged. Honestly, it's been off and on. Some nightmares, some... I paused. Not really sure of what terms to use here. Some instances of seeing... things. I guess vision sounds a little sci-fi, but that's the best word for it. I carefully watched his face to see what he made of all this. 
He may as well have been a stone wall. I see. I mean, I don't know if you're into therapy, but it can help. Or if you want to get into it with me, I'd be glad to help you. I've been through it a few times in my course of my career. There was a bit of a crease on his forehead, a telling sign of underlying stress. Not like this, though. This one is the worst. We sat in silence for a moment before I blurted, Does Frankie know you're here? Ian sat back, pursing his lips for a moment. No, he doesn't know you were in the forest with me that day, either. We both know how much he shit-talks what you do. He would have squashed this, and frankly, you've been a huge help. So I'd like to just keep this between us if that's all right. Nodding emphatically, I actually felt a weight lift off my chest. I'd prefer that as well. I already have enough of him trying to call me out as a scam artist. I'm more than happy to just keep this off his radar. Good, Ian said, his voice calm. I don't know if he had expected me to fight him on that, but I was in complete agreement here. I took a few sips of coffee and worked my way through half a pastry. Not to rush to business, Ian, but I'm real curious. What do you have for notes? Ian began flipping through the little notebook. We did a pretty good sweep of the scene, and I had some time before the Stadies got there. I didn't want to contaminate the area, but I managed to find some symbols on that big circle of rocks. I copied them down as exact as I could. A lot of them were smeared. I have pictures, too, if that helps. He gestured at his phone. Not the actual crime scene photos. I didn't want to risk taking the evidence file, but they should be clear enough. My phone does okay. Flipping to another section of the notebook before I could make sense of the first markings, there were slightly more detailed drawings. This was on the right hand, this the left. This here was on her forehead, two more on the soles of her feet. The rest of her body wasn't marked up. Ian stared at his phone in silence for just a hair too long. I, um, I do have photos of those two from the morgue. I kind of assumed you wouldn't really want to see those, so I copied them as exactly as I could. May I? I asked, gesturing to the notebook. Please, he answered, pushing it closer to me on the table. I flipped first to the markings on the stone. So, I would have to do research to the meaning behind these, but offhand, it's Enochian in Hebrew. Enochian's kind of a bullshit... Anyway, um... You don't normally see those things together, so this might be some kind of homebrew... something. You find a lot of these on the internet these days. Wait, what? Ian asked, surprised. Oh yeah, spellcrafting on the internet is a thing. Sorry to say, odds of tracing it are probably minimal, but we could try to reverse image search it if I can manage to draw the whole circle out. I realized I had said it a little too offhand, as Ian was staring at me with an expression I couldn't read. Um, I mean, modern paganism is taking off, and it's pretty, uh, popular, and, um, yeah. He said nothing. It got awkward, so I shuffled the pages to the marks that were on her hands. It was a strange, spidery set of lines drawn in a circle. I know I've seen these before, but I can't think of where. I was talking a little bit more to myself than to Ian. It's not alchemical, not astrology. 
I pulled out my phone. Can I take a picture of this? I was not about to redraw unknown sigils from a murder victim in my nicely warded property. Ian nodded. Yeah, sure. Alchemy, though? Like, the turn the lead into gold thing? That's the rough idea, and before you ask, no, nobody can actually turn lead into gold, I replied with a smirk. Otherwise, believe me, I would have a private island. I turned to a bookshelf I kept in the reading room. I kept some dictionaries of symbols here, since spirits tended to communicate in their own ways. A lot of the shelf was taken up by oracle stones, tarot cards, and a small, subtle altar, but I figured it wouldn't be a waste to try. I grabbed an old, worn copy of a symbolism dictionary. I guess the good thing about them is they tended to stay accurate for a while. All right, let's see, I mused, putting the book where Ian could also see it. We ruled out a few things, so let's skip those chapters. Definitely not Egyptian, not Mayan, Pictish? Ian was silently peering over the pages, the black and white drawings flashing as I flipped through the book. Wait, he said suddenly. Go back a page. I think I just saw one of them. I turned the page back and stared at the header of the chapter. I felt my blood go cold as I read it aloud. Summoning sigils for demons through the ages. We both stared at the page in silence for a while looking between Ian's drawings and the drawings in the book. Reese, how accurate is this thing? He finally asked, his voice quiet. I mean, are you asking me if they work, or are you asking me if the markings could be something different? I responded, my voice equally hushed. Pushing aside my other questions, my main question is, are you sure this is right? Could it be anything else? I wrinkled my nose in frustration. I mean, it matches your drawing almost completely, Ian. Sure, sigils are subjective. You can find out how to make your own on Pinterest. He snorted in disbelief, but I continued. Metaphysics and my lecture on them aside, someone drew these symbols, Ian. It's way too much of a coincidence to perfectly match these. No, I'm pretty damn sure someone did this on purpose. You've got a twisted bastard on your hands, Ian. Someone really, really meant to do worse to this girl than to just kill her. Everyday Death is written and produced by Melissa Croft. I hope you are enjoying this story. If you enjoy what you are hearing, please subscribe to hear new episodes every Monday. Thank you for listening.